do for you now a scene from the hit motion picture Shrek. You ready? Okay. Why don't you get away from me, donkey? What you talk about get away from you? Well, the years start coming and they don't stop 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 coming Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of A Ogre. Till it's ugly. I'm usual host Will, and joining me, as per usual, is my good buddy Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Will. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing all right. And we also got our good buddy Chris on the line. Hey, Chris. Hey, guys. Hey, yeah. How how are we? How, well, first, how are you three? We we haven't talked in a month. How you how are you three doing? Or sorry, how are you Hanging two doing? I I spoiled something. I apologize. Oh no, <laughs> you absolute fool. Um, I, 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 I have, uh, I don't know what, I don't even know what I, why I did. Uh, you I spilled a, the beans. I spilled the beans. I, I was trying to think of the catchphrase and, and that also slipped from my mind. I, I'm, I guess I'm off my rocker this time, but anyway, I guess that'll be as good of a introduction as I can <laughs> at this point to our guests for this episode. It's our good buddy, Dan. Hey, Dan. Hey, that introduction is about what I deserve and what this film deserves. You know, it's kind of just like the whole energy is like perfect. Haphazard, ramshackle. Yeah. Yeah. Like one so, take, yeah. you know, that's what the whole the Do whole thing feels like. I, I'm very honored by that introduction. I'm very honored to be brought on as the guest and your first guest of the season. So there yeah. you go. There you and go. not only True. that, but um, you, I think, are the quickest turnaround we've had from a guest being on the show. Uh, I think she's the, the first to... guest who's ever appeared two times in a row. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, because like you were on our um, season four finale, the Christmas finale. Yeah, yeah. For the film, I never had a for guest the film I never then. watched. Right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you do have the benefit this time of actually having seen the film. But I as did. you were discussing before, uh, that's kind of a point of contention for you. Do you want to share why? Yeah, because I keep getting so excited. It's like, hey. Be on our podcast. I love attention. I love performing. This is great. Sure. Also, watch this terrible movie from the early 2000s <laughs> that you have never seen. <laughs> so it's kind of... Hey, Shrek is it, good. Okay, well, Shrek I had already seen. That's different. But, like, I was I was on the Cat in the Hat season, for all you people who don't know. That was my first time watching that film. I had no idea what was going on. I do distinctly remember a friend telling me that is my favorite movie of all time. Both, like, a devilish grin. And then I watched it. And then now Master of Disguise, it's just a whirlwind. It's like, I'm so excited. It's like kind of like a monkey's paw curl. Like, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll stand for Cat in the Hat. I still have the, the poster. I, yeah. Well, we can't see. Oh, it you can't see it because I have the background. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. I forgot. I moved to offices. Um, yeah. so. <laughs> it's pretty cool, though, how you move, but the background doesn't. Uh, <laughs> it's the power of Google, man. Also, two films uh, with interesting like production slash set design. So, I, yeah, I both, feel there's uh, like recurring <clears throat> themes. Like, I remember Will, yeah. you dropped in an episode that it's a one and done by a production designer directing. Yeah, either production designer or art director. I, I forget which title, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, similar to um, Bill Welch doing the Cat in the Hat. Uh, this guy, I, I never remember his name. It's like Perry Marshall something. I think. I, I never remember. Sure. 
I think, there's an, I think there's an Anderson in there somewhere. Maybe an is Anders. It, I feel like he's. I feel yeah. like he's got like a. It looks like Chris is checking. <laughs> uh, a name day. that that rings per- in the hall. Perry of... Andalyn Blake. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> a name that rings you know, in the hall. Director. Of yes. Yeah. <laughs> Will's gonna get it wrong every episode yeah. till December. He's finally gonna know right. it from memory. He's gonna interview this guy. <laughs> he's gonna like. You're gonna have him yeah. on as a guest and. And like that's when he'll finally I would love to have right. Ma as a guest, honestly. I, I I'd love to pick his brain about what it was like to work on this movie because I genuinely am very curious what it was like. Sounds um, like yeah, I think it'd be funny Spider. if we if we finally got Katzenberg this season. Oh, I after mean, five years. Yeah, I don't even think he worked on this one, so that'd be even better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would love that. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeff, it's a it's a pleasure to have you on the show. All oh, the pleasure is all mine. It's like, so what do you think about Master Disguise? Uh... <laughs> uh, well, I also, just while we're on the subject of how these movies are, I want to also stand with Chris. I like The Cat in the Hat. I don't necessarily believe that it's a good movie because I think most of the people that I would show it to wouldn't like it, but the, the right ones would. Interesting. <laughs> I, I can see where you're going with that. I just think also from my perspective, it's like, this movie's made for small children, and then I'm watching it for the first time as a full-grown adult. <laughs> just yeah, no context. I, was, I don't ever look up anything about it. I don't watch these trailers. I just go in and watch it. And I'm just like, interesting. I randomly started thinking about Cat in the Hat like two days ago, and I like had this like really warm, fuzzy feeling. <laughs> well, you Stockholmed it. yourself, Chris. I, I really did. <laughs> and I feel like that's starting to happen with this movie. Oh, no. Oh, man. See, I still can't really stand this one. Chris, uh, I'm surprised. Oh, sorry, good. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, I'm surprised that like the cat in the hat's not always on your mind, based on like just doing this <laughs> podcast and how you've probably it, seen it so many times that you, I, w- I would be more shocked if it, if you weren't thinking about it one day. I mean, other things happen, but for the for over the course of a year and a half, I watched it a little bit over fifty times. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's like, yeah, for a while it was, and then Madman. that I'm, that was yeah. me with the film Malibu's Malibu's Most Wanted when I was like eight years old. So I totally get mm. it. I actually just rewatched <laughs> Malibu's Most Wanted. It's on about, HBO Max. Uh, I've been meaning to. Oh, it's not on HBO Max anymore. I found that out the hard way. What? Um, it was just put on there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a brief side note regarding uh, Malibu's Most Wanted. Uh, Jamie Kennedy has been um, doing a YouTube series where he talks about the experience of working on Son of the Mask. And it's actually kind of interesting. Future. Well, we're getting, we're getting Fu- way off track at this. point. We're getting way off track, yeah. but anyway, yeah, we're we're, uh, uh, we're we're starting off Matt's short episode um, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Chris, I, before I forget, I was going to ask you where the what's the over under at this point of you having a cat in the hat wedding, whenever you decide to get married. I feel like uh, you know, it's funny you should mention that because I believe the cat in the hat is hitting its 25th anniversary in 2023. Um, is it? You mean twentieth? Uh, yeah, twentieth. Sorry, I was gonna say um, uh, Shrek is having its twentieth uh, anniversary this month. Yeah, so in twenty twenty three, there's gonna be a Cat in the Hat twentieth anniversary, and there's gonna be a Cat in the Hat con um, happening in Orlando, I think. So, oh, um, so you're gonna get married at it? I'm gonna get married. I'm gonna find somebody. I'm gonna be like, look, <laughs> how many times have you seen the Cat in the Hat? <laughs> and she's gonna be like, I don't know, forty nine. In the last couple years, I was like, "You Those watch, are rookie it, numbers. watch it one more time, I'm gonna put a ring on it." <laughs> See, I just, I just imagine that like the wedding itself is gonna be like, you're obviously gonna be dressed like the cat, 
and mm. your your partner is also going to be dressed like the cat, and then the <laughs> uh, bridesmen and groomsmen are all going to be dressed as like thing one, thing two, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. like you know the the um the flower child will be Sally, and then the the ring bearer will be Conrad. Flower child. Um, and I'll give uh, I'll give Alec Baldwin ten dollars to um, get uh, ordained and officiate the wedding. And he'll do it. Oh, he'll yeah, do it. He will. Ten dollars. He would totally do it. Yeah. For ten dollars, for sure. I mean, he yeah. needs the money. I he think needs he needs th- money. I think you give him ten dollars and two free drink vouchers. He'd definitely do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Anyway, well, uh, this episode has so far been disguised as something yeah. else. Ah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we we haven't really discussed the movie that we should be discussing, which is Master Master Disguise, um, which I believe. Dan, this is the first time you've seen the film, at least in its um, entirety? Yeah, so there is some weird part of my brain that thinks I might have watched it during like that weird void at the end of a school year where like a teacher throws on a movie because they're tired of teaching. And you probably did. It's a rite I mean, of passage. Yeah. That or just I remember seeing the trailer so much that like maybe they put like the three good jokes in the trailer, so I remember them because they probably played a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, for all intents and purposes, it's my first time watching Master in Disguise. Not you think, disguise, like, uh, yeah, your first time watching it, like, consciously. Consciously, yeah, like, sure. And even then, I still didn't remember, like, anything. <laughs> kind of just nothing <laughs> yeah. stuck with me, really, when I was watching it, I remember. I could definitely see a teacher, like, putting on, putting this movie on for, like, 40 minutes and then, like, mm-hmm. shutting it off. Yeah. Uh, because. So, yeah. This film is absolutely was supposed to it's like a Happy Madison production. It was absolutely like a PG thirteen vehicle for Dana Carvey, and they realized it was bad, and we're like, we gotta save, the, we gotta salvage this oh. somehow by making like a family. Kangaroo movie. jacked it. Yeah, because I <laughs> yeah, feel like kangaroo jacked it. There's so much stuff cut from the movie. Like the credits are as lo- like feel like they're as long as the whole movie, and there's like so many bits and scenes completely cut out that was absolutely. There's all the jokes. There's like they're all like pretty adult humor. They're not like. I think of like live yeah, action PG true. movies, and I'm like, these jokes are legit, like Happy Madison, adult, crude humor, yeah, frat boy humor, like frat boy humor, yeah, like. Yeah. And I remember uh, Roger Ebert's review. He, I remember distinctly because for my birthday, my mom got me um, uh, Roger Ebert's book, "Your Movie Sucks," yeah. and, <laughs> uh, which was a, a, a um, compendium a of his of his more his more incendiary reviews sure. and the master disguise review he's like this movie is literally like 65 minutes and the credits fill up the remaining to get it up to 80 yeah. mm-hmm. and you it's funny you said that um because one of my notes is i took a screenshot from wikipedia and roger ebert said um he he said you know he had some praise for it he gave it a one star he said uh perry andalyn blake's production design he had some like some praise for, and he also said, you know, Dana Carvey, let's give him some flowers. He is really good at impressions, so like his impression skills mm-hmm. are good on display. But the overall movie was being like a party guest who thinks he's funny and is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so while I, we're on the uh, Wikipedia things, is the other Wikipedia uh, blurb that they filmed the turtle scene during nine eleven? Yes. Yes, I, that's not another thing I grabbed, but <laughs> I thought that was, I didn't know that, and I thought that was so interesting when I was listening this morning. I was like, wow, that, imagine it, just that day. <laughs> yeah, it really recontextualizes yeah. that scene. Um, <laughs> and then I think the icing on the cake for that is that, like, oh, and the entire cast and crew paused for a moment of silence. Yes. While he was dressed. <laughs> Turtle Man is having a moment of silence. I mean, the oh, big yeah. question that we've already discussed is, 
whether or not Dana Carvey broke character while dressed as Turtle Man. If he kept to the <laughs> the the bit and like stayed in character, like he he refused to take off the disguise and, or, and like process that information as Turtle Man, or did he like consciously break character and have to, you know, uh, con- like basically have to process that what nine eleven means. In the he didn't. Turtle Man he didn't take the costume off. I can guarantee you that the costume so, yeah. stayed on. I mean, either way, he he had to like basically process nine eleven in that costume. Like, mm-hmm. there, there's no question of that. It's just whether or not if he was in character or out of character in that moment. That's what we mm-hmm. probably never know. I wonder if they. I wonder if he was gifted the turtle suit at the end of the production. He stole it. <laughs> oh, is that no? Is that, I, it's I, a real I, no, I, I, in but the he, same he way that Ryan did, Reynolds. Like stole his Deadpool suit. <laughs> I, I I think he stole that one and the Bubble Man costume, just because it's like if you're gonna rob me of this scene in the movie, I'm gonna keep the costume, and and have the memories. Yeah, sure. Um, I just I just like what I just want to say. I'm really really glad that um, I never had like became a famous enough person that Roger Ebert could give like that scathing of a remark to. <laughs> like he just devastates people with some of his critiques. I'm like, I never did anything that made Roger Ebert say something like that. I'm pretty glad that I, that, that happened for me. So, um, so I, I thought know. I wish I wish I could have. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> like, how would Roger Ebert burn you? Like, what do you think he would say about you? That would My be... favorite uh, Roger Ebert burn is from his review of Jack Frost, and it's the sentence. Uh, to see the snowman is to dislike the snowman, which is a sentence that <laughs> wow. I have to think about. <laughs> that I think my favorite, on, again, right. <laughs> I think my favorite is uh, um, European Gigolo, where I guess um, I can't remember the full context of it, but Rob Schneider uh, was trashing on a critic for like not. I can't remember mm-hmm. what exactly it was, but um, but basically Roderick would respond and be like, well, I have a Pulitzer Prize, uh, Mr. Schneider, and I can say definitively that your movie sucks. Mm-hmm. Schneider's like gatekeeping on who could, you know, pass judgment on his movie or something like that. That's I'm how like, you... Oh, I rem- I've read that. Yeah, that's th- a good... Yeah. I always figure, like, that's how you know you've made a bad... Like, a bad product is, like, if you, like, get so hung up about, like, how critics, like, respond to it, like... I mean, it's... <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's it sucks, like, everybody who makes any yeah, kind of movie a puts a lot it. of work into it and like truly believe they mm-hmm. made like um you know uh, a bad Something movie good, at least yeah. but like some some people <clears throat> are like hey man i got paid which is one of my notes is that every time they made they made the like a fart joke with uh um the bad guy whose name escapes me i said i said Devin this every, every t- what was it what was it what, Bowman? It's Devlin Bowman. Devlin Bowman. Like every time Devlin Bowman farted, I watched this with um, our good friend Abdallah. If you listen yeah. to, if you go into the uh, it ain't ogre till it's ogre extended universe of podcast, you would know the, yeah. the podcast Spider Crimes, and Abdallah mm-hmm. was known as Abdallah on the couch. <laughs> uh, oh, that's right. I forgot about that. So we watched this together, and every time, without fail, that that joke they did the fart joke, I turned to him and said, "Hey, at least at least Brett Spiner got a paycheck." So, you know, like some people take it as, hey, I got paid and that's fine. And some people like view it as more art. And that's just, you know, I actually really like that joke um, because the fart it, joke. Yeah, the fart joke. I, I think that it goes too far at the very end when he's running towards the door and repeatedly farting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But mm-hmm. I think that the joke is good until um, 
the I think it's the third time where he's la- he laughs and he doesn't fart and he's kind of like satisfied with himself and then he just has a delayed fart and then he's upset again. Like I think that yeah, it's not it's not like it's not gold, but it's a it's a f- it's well timed. I think it's a silver. Yeah. It's a silver. <laughs> yeah, and I think a, a I think diamond. also like. Brent Spiner's game so like he's kind of just like you know he like owns it and like I think it's just like that's also like a part of that like there is like a charm to some of this movie actually I thought where like some of the gags with like better timing or better directing or editing or something that like some of these jokes would work in a better movie and that will get to like one of my like larger notes later is that um you know me and, me and Abdallah spent a lot of time discussing that um this movie would be better if it was like made by somebody else. Like there is like this concept, this uh, setup. Not like everything about it, but just like someone who uses disguises to be a spy as a comedy, like has potential. And Abdallah kept imagining like, what if Mel Brooks made this movie? Sure. So that was right. his, you know you can say that for like any movie, obviously, but like mm-hmm. with, I like, demand the Paul Feig master disguise. Cut. Right, like it is. It's really funny that you say that because um, one of my ideas was for some reason like there's something about this movie that's like not working and i was like we imagine like who would be making the new version or whatever and i was like mm-hmm. i don't i don't yeah like the modern version like a remake like we kept like abdallah kept saying like this would be better if it was like remade like give it like a second chance and i said this movie would be better if just kristen wig was playing the same character same everything and then we got a discussion like Imagine like a bunch of nerds getting mad online that Kristen Wiig is in the male, or is it a female remake of Master of the Sky? <laughs> you just made me think of how awful it would be to have a, a Melissa McCarthy led uh, Master oh, of the Skies. I mean, I love Melissa McCarthy. I think she's really funny yeah. when she's not in a movie directed by her husband. But um, she would just she's not an impressionist. It would be just right. and terrible. But do you think it would be Kristen Wiig over Kate McKinnon? Ooh, I'd take Kate McKinnon because I feel like Kate McKinnon would be the one that they'd pick for a, a female Master of Disguise reboot. In my opinion, I don't know. That's interesting. I was I, I was just thinking of somebody who I thought could play like a lot of characters because like the way we imagined right, it was yeah. not so much impersonations, more like someone who has like kind of like sketch comedy like range, range yeah. to play, like to yeah. play characters, and that's kind of like this weird thing in the movie where it was like, is he? impersonating people or is he like putting on characters to get what he wants kate mckinnon could play grandpa yes yeah that'd I'd be, be into that yeah like uh like it would be her in like old man makeup you're saying yep okay dual role well, not man she'd be grandma but yeah well that's what i was like, trying to figure out because like she she plays a lot of male yeah, characters she could be both yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> that's true she could do either she'd either one she could be. She could be both. Yeah. <laughs> he could have his grandparents. I'd be like the. Uh, it'd be like the uh, person of indiscriminate gender from a uh, uh, series of unfortunate events. Mm, that too. Yes. Okay. Or whatever it was called. Yeah. Because uh, there is... that character was great because they were just they, they were just a great character. Didn't matter. Yeah. Because <laughs> because there is like potential of like that like kind of you know Peter Sellers Eddie Murphy like playing multiple characters in the film like mm-hmm. acting alongside yourself and stuff that like I thought this movie was gonna go for more of that vibe. Um, but then mm-hmm. it went more with like, oh, he's just impersonating. He's like putting on like costumes and like getting in the way <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of yeah. the mission. And so that's why I thought like a pretty straight, I like, played straight comedy about like a spy who puts on like ridiculous disguises to get into events would like, I think that would work. Like, but that's obviously a different movie. I can't be like doing that thing where I'm like, oh, if this movie was, this movie would be good if you changed everything about the movie. <laughs> you know, like that form right. of critique. I get stuck to that all the time where I'm like, I accidentally do that whole like, 
well, if you if you change 99% of the movie, it changed everything about the way you made it, and you completely replaced the cast and got a whole new writing team and just like made a whole different movie with like two bits of this movie. It would be good. <laughs> which is like right, not really you. which is not really criticism. That's just like alternative like reality building if anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that it's not a matter of remaking the film but releasing the full cut. Because we mm-hmm. have an 80 minute version, and clearly, as we see from the movie end credits, with 15 minute credits <laughs> with all the, there's, the there's Snyder, all these scenes that the got Snyder cut. cut. Yeah, so mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I was trying to lead up to, is the Snyder cut Sorry. of uh, Master Disguise, which is, I, you know what, I have to assume it's four hours as well. So, Zack Snyder's Master, Master of Disguise. disguise. Yes. The, the million dollar Dana Carvey's. <laughs> would Zack Snyder's Master Disguise be in four three? Well, yes, uh, yeah, that was what I was going to yeah. say next. Is that it would be to preserve his vision. In, it was to preserve yes, the yes. vision. Um, it would, yeah. So Dan, what were some of your notes? Um, we've actually gone over most of them. Okay. Um, right the one is I thought the opening song was a bop, and apparently you guys uh, disagree. I, I like the song. I don't like it. I don't like it. I hate it. I've discussed <laughs> that. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of it. See, I like it because it gives me that very specific, like late '90s, early 2000s, like power pop rock like cheryl crow which is an era that i don't like very much okay that makes sense <laughs> um i know will described it as um lance Moore set on prozac which i thought was a very good <laughs> um description uh, but i liked it because it just had this like very like we're driving to the beach like it sounds like a, a song to be in the film crossroads with britney spears that i just watched recently True. um you guys i think would love crossroads <laughs> i've um, seen it a long time ago i mean I, it I saw is it when i was like uh 12 or so um yeah it's that's an interesting film but like i looked it up and like so that girl who sang it, her name is um rose falcon <laughs> and she also wrote the theme song for confessions of a teenage drama queen um huh. so um i thought that was fun and another note I had was okay. So you know, like kind of like during the training montage, they had that they had that rap song, like the the master of the skies rap song. Mm-hmm. And I M-A-S-T-E-R was curious. T E R up the skies. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So it starts off where he's like talking about like there's this guy, and like they start like recounting the plot of the film. And like, did you think mm-hmm. that they added dialogue over those verses to like not give away the plot of the movie? <laughs> because like it's like 20 minutes into the film they play this movie or they play this song and like they're like kind of talking it's like there's this guy who had a book like, it's like kind of like giving like the origin story of uh pistachio and then it like they like add like weird dialogue over the song to like i think they were masking like the giving away the plot of the film like 20 minutes in because they obviously probably wrote the song after the movie like was made like and like they're starting editing and stuff so i thought that was like a weird thing i was thinking about yeah because we've yeah. talked about i think um how there are like four theme songs for the master disguise mm-hmm. the film. Mm-hmm. and i have to assume they're all trying to contend for the end credit song mm-hmm. and i guess they end up playing the um whatever one it was i think it was actually that one that you're talking about but they mm-hmm. wanted to play it earlier and they yeah. also didn't want to disrespect the other songs so they're like mm-hmm. we can fit them all in here uh, why yeah. not? It's like a version of like you know Joseph Gordon-Levitt has that hit record website where yeah. people submit 
things, and it's like it's like that version except for write a th- write a song for a movie called The Master Disguise, and then they get all these submissions and just mm-hmm. put them all in there. Just put them all in the put them all in the movie. I think the best one is the the cow pie uh, monkey man. <laughs> or, or, uh, what is it the monkeys uh, version? He's the yeah, that one. master of disguise. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. good. And you may never recognize. You do rise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one too. That was I, think good. That was, that was I think that's the best of the uh, the theme songs that they have for him. Cause, four different. Yeah. There's four, right? I think so. Because mm. there's the one Dan's talking about. This one, um, there's the one that's playing during the the fight scene. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I forget how that one goes. Which is the one that I yeah didn't realize was another one. Mm-hmm. And then there's and there's, there's another the... one. But, so there's uh, Master Part One and Part Two. Those are two separate songs <laughs> by two different artists. Um, good. And and then there's Master of Disguise by Vitamin C. Um, so I think there's three. Based on yeah, I'm just looking at three. I'm looking at the soundtrack listing right now. Remember how like every movie like every movie that came out by a major studio had like a full fledged like soundtrack of just like yeah pop songs. I miss those days. Bring it I back. do too. But I also do kind of like the idea that like films just all have their own score now, like no matter what. I like that better. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's like the movies, the movies soundtracks are better because like that's like you guys talked about in an episode previously, um, how this is like a very of its time, like bunch of pop culture references. There's just like spots ready for like pop songs to be put into the soundtrack. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's um, I wonder what I wonder what the original score of Master of the Skies would be if they did an OG score with like Hans Zimmer or something. Oh, I was, I was to literally going to say Hans Zimmer. Because yeah. Warner Brothers, right? Didn't they make this? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 I never even considered this like Mike Myers Dana Carvey beef, which I didn't know was yeah. a thing. I never even considered like, oh, like why wasn't Dana Carvey like just Mike Myers' buddy who showed up in all those movies? Like kind of how like Adam Sandler has his like ragtag crew of like friends who show mm-hmm. up, like mm-hmm. like David yeah. like David Spade will show up or like Rob Schneider will show up in his movies. Like I'm surprised that never became David Spade or not David Spade. That became Dana Carvey. But then yeah. the way you guys like kind of like talked about there being like a beef makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And then also the other kind of fun Wikipedia note is that um, Austin Powers and Goldmember was released the week before mm-hmm. uh, Master of the Skies. And um, on the um, like Wikipedia article, it talks about how um, in its first weekend it earned like $12 million, breaking third behind Signs, which opened that same weekend. And then it was Austin Powers and Goldmember's second week, which was in second place that week. Mm-hmm. So like Mike Myers beat out like Dana Carvey's like starring vehicle. Um and just like the plot, the way this plot is written is very like again like of its time. That yeah. was and like I, I just kind of was thinking like, man, I wish I was like a like a comedian with like some kind of clout in the early two thousands and late nineties because I would also write a bad comedy <laughs> where I had like, a really hot woman fall in love with me. <laughs> no matter like I am like so interested like that interested but, like get your thoughts on like the plot and like how this character this pistachio character works like within the plot of the film cuz i find him so confusing. <laughs> True. And like what the I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like what was the goal do you think like with this film? Beyond I, like Dana Carvey having a vehicle where he could do impressions. 
because he's good at yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, not. I, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's more That's to what it is. than that. Um, I, I think I've said this already, but especially this time, I feel like I, I got the sense that Constable Mueller, Mueller whatever, the, the, the frisky German guy is, like, mm-hmm. supposed to be a spiteful retort to Austin Powers because, like, the character of Constable Mueller is, like, you know, like this, like, fish out of water kind of, like, European dude with bad teeth that's mm-hmm. supposed to be, like, you know, kind of like a pervert and, like, makes people uncomfortable and stuff. And it's, like, that seems to be, like, him, like, trying to, like, take the piss out of Austin Powers. I don't know if he'll ever confirm that or anything, but just watching it, especially this time, I was, like, mm-hmm. this seems like a, like a rebuttal against, like, Austin Powers and like how he perceives a character because he doesn't like uh, Mike Myers at the time. Um, yeah, I mean this whole film. If, if you look at it through that mm-hmm. lens, it seems like a pretty spiteful film. But I don't know if that was the full mm-hmm. intent of it. <laughs> yeah, um, I feel like I really also can't speak too too much to that extent because like I didn't put that connection together until I listened to like the episodes because I, I didn't want to like have too much of an idea like going into the movie i want like fresh eyes so like i don't know if you like if y'all had considered any other kind of um aspects to it or just like with regards like that characterization or just like the way the film is structured or anything because i agree it does feel like a bunch of sketches and vignettes um that are just put together into a long run time feels like it feels like a vine compilation in some ways or something like you know (laughs) like just yeah. like moving from character to character because it's like this weird thing where like i know i'm probably thinking way too much about this movie but like so the progression starts is that like pistachio who dana carvey is obviously like a 47 year old man in this movie yes but we, like we discussed that last month, we discussed yes. that yeah and it's like so he's but like dana carvey obviously looks like an old man but he's supposed to be like younger but he also acts like really childlike and so like what's the journey supposed to be for this character of like taking up the mantle of the master of disguise because his dad is being like corrupted but it's like i feel like he doesn't learn any lessons i feel like he doesn't grow as a character like he like that's a good point and it's like there is no like arc and even like movies like this would do something as simple as like pistachio will stop like messing around and like being a child and like start being like serious about like using the master disguise to like stop criminals or something like a greater thing because yeah like in the thing where he's like in the disguise it seems like he is just like getting in jennifer's way (laughs) like jennifer is the most competent character in this film and like she seems to do everything and like he just like is gonna screw it up so that's why i feel like this is weird thing of like why is he even there you know what I mean? In yeah. terms of, like, the plot and the story, he just gets in the way. It doesn't progress it. Like, his antics don't, like, you know, raise stakes or anything. I feel like you take away Pistachio and a lot of the scenes he's in, like, the, the <laughs> yes. general plot, like, keeps moving with or without yes. him, which is, I think, a really <laughs> strange thing, which might be the fact that they cut a lot of scenes out or something. I will say, yeah. I think uh, every time we've watched this movie... I like a little bit more that the scene after the turtle club, whenever he and Jennifer are like on the street yeah. mm-hmm. and she's just like, listen, I just, I don't really understand what's going on. because it feels- <laughs> I, I yeah. cannot physically, emotionally or psychologically process what just happened. And I don't think any, is that what she said? no, no, no. That's just like what she's like trying to like basically say. Cause it's like, yeah. cause like how I just like, like that he drove yeah. home wearing the turtle the suit. suit yeah most of it yeah yeah, yeah. 
Um, and because like weird I mean, you, stuff yeah, he says yeah. to her that slips out, like the really weird, oh, like yeah, that scene bad Freudian awful. slips is like this is like that's like the scene where I was like this was obviously like a PG thirteen movie, and then they like it's so uncomfortable. Like sure. I also yes. just like get very weird vibes from like the character he's playing as Pistachio. Cause, yeah, the age being unclear, I think, hurts it a lot. Yeah. Um, that, I just feel like, what's, what are they trying to accomplish with this character? Because, like, I know you guys talked about, like, is pistachio, like, offensive to Italian-Americans? Um, and Matt was like, oh, I'm, like, a quarter, like, Italian, so I can't really, like, say. I'm half Italian. I also can't really say. But usually I don't find, like, Italian caricatures, like, like controversial opinion italians are white so like you're kind of just making fun yeah. of white people when you do that um yeah just like a specific slice of white people i guess um and nothing about the movie is like offensive at least in my opinion it kind of almost portrays like italians pretty well like in terms of like family yeah. structures and like you know like oh they cook pasta okay that's just like a fact <laughs> you know like i mean i also like but like the like weird accents like it like it just feels like he wanted to do an accent. Like, it doesn't, like, progress the story in any way, but it's just like, oh, I want to do a weird voice for his character. Because, like, Dana Carvey, like, probably didn't want to, like, play a... a like, he didn't want, like, the, the main character to be, like, a normal, like, so, the yeah, straight man. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, Jennifer's already the straight man in the comedy scenarios or whatever. Right. So it's like, yeah. you can't have two straight men. What is this, like, a Dimitri Martin sketch, you know? Like, yes. um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, like, find, like, so many things to do with the movie, like... Just like, well, mm-hmm. you know, like that. Just like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, that actually leads into one of the notes that I had, which is that, um, so I've been trying to watch all the movies that are nominated for Oscars this year just because we're in a pandemic and I have time mm-hmm. in my hands. I'm just mm-hmm. like, I think that'd be a fun thing to do. So I watched the PG-13 Pinocchio movie that came out that mm-hmm. um, Roberto Benigni's in and stuff. And surprisingly, it's pretty good. Um, but uh, I watched that and I also watched the, the Drew Carey Geppetto movie. Which is not up for any Oscars. I just I, I've always wanted to watch that, and that also had uh, Brett Spiner in it. Which fun fact: at one point he calls Pinocchio pistachio, and I was like, "Oh, that's a fun nod." Even though that movie came out uh, two years before this one, um, but when I was watching the two films, and then I subsequently watched this film, something kind of clicked for me, which is that I think Pistachio is supposed to be like a loose parody of Pinocchio like the origin story of Pinocchio, because I don't know if there's any way to back this up or anything, but like for one, their names sound kind of similar, right? It's like, you know, kind of, uh, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, spelt similar, have similar vowels and sure. whatever. But, um, but also like, they're both kind of like, uh, innocents that are just kind of wandering around and like deceived and like kind of pull in different direction by like these adult figures in their lives. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I get the, the impression that uh, Pistachio is kind of supposed to be this, like, broad, wide-eyed innocent who is, like, the joke is supposed to be that, like, because he is, like, kind of older, that, like, he's, like, you know, like, he should be more, like, well-versed and, like, knowledgeable than he is. But the fact that he's, like, has a stunted childhood suggests that, you know, like, I don't know. I'm, not, I, I, I'm no psychologist. I'm not really sure what the, like, the depths are supposed to be explored there. But I do think it's interesting that the same year that this movie came out, Roberto Benigni's Pinocchio came out where a 40-something-year-old man played Pinocchio. So, I don't know. There you go. Those are just some rambling thoughts I had this time. 
Well, I like where your head's I, at. I have just my one note that I'll get into real quick, um, if it's all right. Sure. Um, so it, it kind of goes off of Dan's thing about how there's no arc here. Um, and, and to that point, like the traditional version of this movie would probably be Pistachio can't become master of disguise. Yeah. And, and then finally, like, you know, like the third act is when he finally figures it out and does it. But instead, this movie doesn't really have any acts. Um, <laughs> and he just kind of like the, the, so they, there's a scene where he and the grandpa, it's, it's, it's everyone's favorite scene, Prince Lama Jama. Um, and the grandpa, it's, it's funny. Cause I usually just try to not pay attention to that scene, but this time I did. And basically the grandpa introduces this concept called energico, um, which is like, it's basically the force. It's like you tap into this the energy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like you tap into this energy and it'll like allow you to become another person truly. And it's like, okay, but the problem is. Energico never comes yes. back. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's no scene in the end where it's like, oh, Pistachio isn't able to become another person. What he, what does he need? Oh, Energico, or like, right? It just, it's never mentioned again. They do actually mention it again. Is when? but it has nothing to do with being a disguise. It just happens at the end when he's like fighting. Uh, his, it's it's when he's like hanging from the lunar and his dad is dressed mm-hmm. up like brent spiner's character and he's like devlin papa it's me yeah De- devlin bowman sorry yeah uh papa it's me like you know pistachio and he like doesn't know who he is because he's like his dad's so into the disguise like it's like a character method acting yeah. things that he like doesn't like know who he is yeah which is a thing i don't really didn't really get that they were going over that, that was a thing until like because they don't talk about that with like like pistachio becoming so in character that he like like forgets who he is which would have probably been an interesting right. like act two thing or whatever he like Certainly, doesn't yeah. know who like he jennifer is or like he like might screw up the like he gets like so in character that he like becomes like weird or whatever or like a, a villain yeah. or whatever uh tempted by the dark side but the grandpa is like pistachio use the energy coat and it's like he puts his underwear on his head Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, before Papa. that, they say that uh, his dad was has been overtaken by the dark side of the Energico. Oh yeah, they do make mm. a Star Wars like like an explicit yeah. Star Wars reference. Like, oh, it's like the dark side in Star Wars. Like they say that like pretty yeah. point blank. Like at least twice. All right. Well, I, I guess I stand corrected then. But, but no, no, no. So... You are correct though. That's not really the <laughs> plot point the movie thinks it is. Like it doesn't. Yeah, it exactly. doesn't develop. <laughs> it. Like, you're you're right, but it's just like the yeah. like they don't do it like right. Or like, but I think uh, I, I do agree with you that it would have been more thematically interesting if they had switched it to, to be that Pistachio is the one that gets like deceived, mm-hmm. and like because mm-hmm. his like mind isn't fully formed to be a master disguise, he could be like overtaken by Devlin's whatever like mm-hmm. charms or whatever, and he could be like he could you know like brainwash him into believing that he is actually Devlin Bowman because his training isn't fully there yet mm-hmm. sure and then yeah and then like you know like the family has to like you know convince yeah him dad and grandpa have to save him with like whatever, their love yeah. or whatever and like you know like you know kind of like prove their like you know family bond or whatever and they could like kind of like actually you know because like the movie kind of plays into the idea that like uh pistachio isn't like fully accepted by his family and stuff like that like they don't like really really understand him and like they're like sympathetic but they don't like they don't fully accept him as like you know like the young you know naive kid that he is at heart and that that could have been more thematically interesting than what they did, but oh well. 
<laughs> yeah, but it's also like they it's a 65 minute movie. So it's like, oh, they could have right. done that. Like it's not like there's like it's not like there's there's like a, a 90 minute runtime film where uh, like stuff got cut out for like the sake of like whatever. Right. It's like there's just whole portions of this movie missing. Yeah. You know, so yeah. they could have very well done all of this stuff and still had it be under 90 minutes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause you can't appreciate, like I can appreciate like a lean, like a movie that does that thing where it's like, Oh, like we're going to kind of just outright say thematic stuff, but like, it's still there, you know, like, mm-hmm. cause like, I feel like there's yeah. like, I feel like some movies I watch where it's like, Man, this, they have a whole five minute scene to explain something. Like you could have just showed, don't tell. <laughs> and yeah. I feel like they like, or they like, you could have told, not shown me in that scenario, and I've been fine with it too. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like you watch a movie, it's like yeah. we need a five minute scene to explain this one background character. I'm like, no, you just have a background character there. I don't need to know their life story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. Oh man. Well, does anybody have any other like? major things they want to talk about uh i do but does chris have anything before we wrap up um not for this month i've got a few notes that i think will uh bring in some additional conversation that i think is better served by um mm-hmm. another episode yeah okay. might be might be better if you have like someone who's like seen it a lot more times like and like committed <laughs> it maybe like i didn't commit anything from this movie <laughs> um yeah in terms of like nothing really stuck with me which is interesting like i feel like you know how you watch like a bad movie, you're just like, wow, like I'm fascinated by this one. I'm just more, yeah. I'm more confused by this movie than I am sure. like fascinated, if that makes sense. Like the cat in the hat, it had like a lot of like, there is yes. like a lot more. There's a lot to discuss. To discuss. I feel yeah. like this, this movie, you're kind of like robbed of the potential of like discussing it because they just <laughs> cut so much out of it. And it's just like, I just did not feel comfortable watching this movie. Like, I, not comfortable, I'm not the word to use, but it's just like the whole time I was just like, it just feels off. Like, there's just something. Yeah. Like, I was watching like a rough cut, or like, oh, this is like this is like the we've we've filmed two thirds of this movie so far, and here's what we have, like proof yeah, of concept. Like, it was like very, just weird. I don't know. It's just like. Yeah, like they like took like a like season of like a a show, and they just like turned into like a awkward movie. Mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah like a, like a super cut or something like you know yeah. like those old like cartoons from the 90s where they'd put like three episodes together and called a movie yeah um, <laughs> that's the kind of vibe i got from this movie like, it, like i mean that character like could be i think that would be like an interesting character to be like recurring in a sketch show maybe or like sure yeah just like what but then it also just kind of becomes like let's just watch janet carvey do impressions okay i can do that yeah <laughs> that's fine um yeah. Well, yeah so that's like kind of my takeaway uh, i'm just like confused <laughs> yeah well i have a I few real yeah uh i was just gonna say that i have a few notes i'll, I'll run by real real quick because i know we're sure. kind of pressed for time yeah um for one uh to tie back what we were saying last month uh, i did listen to dana carvey's podcast uh fantastic mm. with dana carvey i listened to about three episodes and i can report that it's fine uh <laughs> It's not. It's just you know, like an, a sixty-something-year-old comedian joking around with his friends. Nothing terribly exciting to report. But I must say, uh, at least on Apple Podcasts, that whenever we called it out last month, since that date, they have not released a new episode. So I think we might have scared Dan Carvey oh, no. into <laughs> producing more episodes. Because uh, what we were saying last time was that we might have like like they they made that podcast to like spite us to like draw attention yes. to that so that people wouldn't be listening to our show. And because we called it out, they're like, oh, 
you know, like the they caught yeah, us, they caught us, busted. <laughs> so he, he hasn't produced a new episode since. So Good. I'm saying, you know what? We have no ill will. We were just joking around. You know, you can keep making this. Dana, show. come back. <laughs> we d- we didn't mean to to upset you. Um, all right. So a few other notes. I wrote at least three members of the Trump administration frequented the Turtle Club. Uh, I have no proof or to back that up, but just in my heart, that's why I felt that. That sounds about right. I, I'm not going to speculate who in the the administration that would be, but whatever. Um, so this time around, I watched a movie on Hoopla, which is, I believe, the same way that Dan watched the film. I did watch it on Hoopla. And one thing that surprised well, me. Well, you have my Amazon login. <laughs> um, <laughs> I told you. Hoopla's a well, trip, I mean, though. Hoopla's a little bit more fun, though. It's a little bit more like you're wading through some, some pretty murky waters when you're going Hoopla. <laughs> but one thing that surprised me was that there are at least two gags in this movie that rely on subtitles, but for some reason in the Hoopla version, the subtitles don't come up. So, like, <laughs> you know, like the scene where uh, Grandpa and um, Pistachio are, like, you know, talking about um, yes, Jennifer's Jennifer. figure? It just, in this version, they're speaking gibberish, like, European languages, <laughs> and if you were to watch the movie the first time on Hoopla, you would not understand like what's going on. It's just like I don't know. I, I'm assuming that's that was the case for Dan because like I mean I don't know how that joke processed. Like there's like, um, there's like I had yeah. subtitles on, like uh, like the the Roku subtitles, and I don't oh, really okay. remember the scene. That, okay, fair like enough. the joke. I don't know what the joke with the punchline was because it showed like. It would like it's say and they said like then just like the subtitles just said like speaking gibberish. Right, yeah. that's what I mean. So it's like yeah. they're they're actually subtitles that are supposed to come up, but they're not like the real things they're saying. It's just like oh. basically they're just talking about Jennifer's figure and they're saying mm-hmm. she has a tiny butt and stuff like that. It's not a good joke or anything, but yeah, I just find it fascinating this time that the joke wasn't even in this version because the subtitles didn't come up. So it's just like you're just watching two grown men speak gibberish to each mm-hmm. other for two minutes. Yeah, that's that's weird. There's also a lot of. It's also interesting that like in the sub, like I know like we're uh we kind of like went over the end credits already, but like the jokes they have in the end credits like aren't even that good either. So it's like sure. not even like oh these jokes were so good we need to put them in there somehow. I'm like you should have left that off. Like some of those jokes, like the Kevin Nealon jokes. I know you yeah, went over those this. Are awful, yeah. Those are so bad. They were bad at the time, and they're even worse in retrospect. Same with like the the joke about like the big butts. That's like the alternate of like the end scene. Yeah, like the Star Wars ladies, I was like, "You thought that joke was so good, you got to keep it in." Yeah. Um. So my last two notes I'll say this time are: so there's a scene where you, you see the Eskimos are watching the um the black market on the computer. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about during the montage, mm-hmm. and they see um Mama with the with, with her like spy cam, and they're like, "No more karma corn or whatever," and they all like nod like, "Oh." And stuff like that. And that joke only makes sense if the Eskimos have been watching the movie this whole time like, <laughs> and just caught up to that scene. Because otherwise, I, how would they understand what the Carmichord bit is? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> There's no other way they can understand that, right? The stuff you pick Maybe up. At the beginning of the, the beginning of the live stream, Devlin Bowman came on screen and was like, so... <laughs> I have the mom, and she's locked up, and she's brainwashed because of this caramel corn that she's eating. And they were like, oh, okay. And like, Keenan's like, that's wild, or whatever. Like, Yeah, exactly, like, yeah. You gotta see this, my roommate. Yeah, <laughs> he's just like some dude. Yeah. Um, and my last note is, uh, is Constable Mueller the only disguise that knows he's a disguise? And by that, I mean, at the end of the Constable Mueller scene, he's like, Oh, I guess they figured it out, or like something. So like, time for Plan B, 
and I think he's the only disguise, but with the exception of maybe like George W. Bush, but all the celebrities aren't really like disguises. They're just disguises for people. Like they don't, like whenever the disguises become celebrities, they're not fully like into the, the disguise, right? Like there's kind of like mm-hmm. letting the celebrity figures like kind of do the heavy lifting. So like mm-hmm. when like he's George W. Bush, that's when he's George W. Bush, the only mission is just to fool Devlin into like, you know, getting close with him. But Constable mm-hmm. Mueller is like a completely separate character. And he's also subsequently like self aware that he's a character, and that's just well. I don't know. I would say that that uh, based on what you said earlier, uh, Fabrizio as Devlin at the end is the only disguise who doesn't know he's a disguise. Yeah, it seems like deliberately they don't. You know, they they, they know that they're disguised. I I guess, but I feel like Turtle Man. I mean, is you like trying fully to tell committed. me? Are you trying to tell me that Cow Pie Man believes that he is a pile of cow pie? Well, that's the thing is that like Cow Pie Man doesn't really have a personality. That's like they even show him like lifting the thing up. So that's yeah. that's a disguise. Like there's like layers of disguises. Like there's disguises like you're thinking are about it too much. And then there's disguises that are characters. Like Turtle Man fully believes he's a man that is also a turtle, right? Like it's not like eh. it's not pistachio. As uh, term because he's even like in the next scene, just like that's incredible. Like, I my mind went away, and basically, like, so in like that moment, like, he's like fully invested in the bit, but other times he's just like, I'm just wearing a costume. So, but like, Constable Mueller is like the one example of when he is like fully committed to the character, but also self aware, where the character of Constable Mueller is yeah. aware oh, that he's a character. I, I, I understand, Matt, I'm getting way too, I'm going down the rabbit hole too much, but I. I, just something I thought about. Well, we can think more about that over the next mm-hmm. month. Sure. Until our next episode. Fair enough. Um, well, Dan, thank you so much. Uh, do you have any parting thoughts on the film before um, we head out? No, I'm just really excited to see what happens to you guys after seven more months of watching <laughs> this movie because you're already in pretty deep, and I'm pretty excited <laughs> yeah. to see where this goes next. And also, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and also thanks again for having me on. It was, uh, it's always fun to chat with the absolutely chat with the and yeah. eight ogre oh, nice village you, ogre uh, group. Um, yeah, so if you, uh, yeah. That's all I got. All right. <laughs> well, we love you, buddy. Oh, thank coming. you so much again. I thank appreciate you, it so much. Awesome. Well, with that, I'm Will. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Oh, and I'm Dan. I, I thought this is like separate. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah, you're good. Uh, and remember, kids. It ain't ogre. Till it's ogre. All right. See you, everybody. Bye-bye. So much to do, so much to see, 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 so much to do, so much to see. You are not welcome here. You and you get off.